1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, entrepreneurship and life to help you harness your own tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is Sarah Dusick, Managing Partner at Enigma Ventures and the Quiver Tree Collection. Sarah was able to start both of these funds. She currently operates off the back of Under Canvas, the first business she started. Under Canvas is the United States premier glamping company with glamping resorts outside of national parks across the U.S. and Canada. And Sarah exited under Canvas in 2018 for a whopping $100 million plus and started Enigma Ventures to help serve the funding gap for female and South African founders. Most recently, Sarah created a $600 million fund in the Quiver Tree collection to invest in other glamping properties with a particular eye towards sustainability. And we'll get into all that. And Sarah has a ton of experience in enacting real change through her immense success in business, and I'm excited to unpack her story. Sarah, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here today.
1: And thank you for joining me from Cape Town. Uh, I think you are our first guest to join us from this part of the world. We've had folks in Australia, New Zealand, and we're just continuing to expand uh, the map here. And I got to tell you, you know, when I started to dig into your story and see all the amazing work that you're doing, I knew this was going to be an exciting conversation. But for my guests out there, um, let's kind of hit the rewind button and, and give them a little bit of the, the backstory there. And you found that one of the earliest glamping business there was, out of curiosity, did you and your team coin that phrase glamping? Where did glamping even come from?
2: I definitely cannot take credit for that. The, the term was already in existence when we first started. But it, In the U.S., the term was really not used and not known. So I can definitely credit our team with really pioneering the glamping industry in the U.S., um, but it, the term itself definitely predates us.
1: So a mainstay of your story is starting under Canvas, which is inspired by your time in South Africa. Um, what were you doing there? What kind of work? And just talk a little bit about that inspiration.
2: Yeah, I um came to Africa in my early 20s as an aid worker. So I started my career working for NGOs um, and spent almost eight years working for NGOs in various different places, um, but fell in love with Africa and fell in love with the safari experience. And I don't know if there's anything more magical. Even to this day, I don't know if there's anything more magical than, than being out in the bush and experiencing nature but doing it in a really beautiful amazing way
1: and let's talk about the sustainability element of of that too i mean what's that balance in between an authentic experience and also having the creature comforts
2: yeah i mean the it's amazing right after you've had a day out in the bush to come back home to clean sheets a beautiful soft bed a flushing toilet an amazing shower hot water i mean it's just some of these creature comforts that that sometimes stop us from going places that we wouldn't necessarily be comfortable going. And that's what I love about glamping. And it's what I love about the safari experience. It makes the outdoors accessible, particularly if you don't like roughing it. And particularly, you know, the outdoors can be a little bit intimidating. So right. if you've got someplace comfortable to come back to, it it kind of, it creates a bridge between you and the outdoors.
1: I mean, I completely agree. My my wife and I were we're not campers, and it's kind of we joke around with our friends who who love camping. They go all the time. They have a, a very luxurious RV, and they're always trying to get us to come with them. They're like, the the kids will love it. It'll be a great experience. And we're like, hard pass. This is just something that we we don't like to do. However, once someone's like, hey, would you like to go glamping? Which we did uh, last year in the California desert, and there was luxury accommodations. It kind of changed. Um, it changed kind of changed the game a little bit. Let's talk about those early days of bringing this concept to the United States. And correct me if I'm wrong, historically, I mean, the United States is a very pro camping, outdoor, woodsy kind of culture. Was there some hesitation Mm -hmm. to kind of bring it a little bit more upscale or was that something that was that was accepted pretty universally?
2: Um, It was really interesting, actually, because when we started, we really had no idea whether people would pay to stay you know, pay a hotel room fee almost to stay in a tent, um, because obviously, you know, the US is a is a is a place where camping is is a really big big deal, and RVing in particular, as you mentioned, was is a really really big deal. So um, we knew that was a thing, but we just we didn't know whether a tented hotel would work, um, and so we we really had no you know no knowledge before we started whether people would would like it. And people would accept it. People would pay for it. Um, so thankfully for us, um, people absolutely loved it, still really love it. Um, and I think it's a wonderful combination between a hotel and camping. And it really it really merges those two concepts, really, in that it's camping done for you in 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 great luxury and serve, you know, having great service and having people to help take care of you whilst you're
1: whilst you're there. I love it. So let's 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 talk about let's talk about building a business and and correct me if I'm wrong the way the story goes. I heard you mention that you and your husband actually had a negative account balance when you started the business and you bootstrapped under canvas for the for the first eight years. Let's talk about some of those those growing pains and those early lessons learned that a lot of my listeners who are entrepreneurs out there could apply to their own business.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, particularly in a time like now, too, when when economic times are hard and money is hard to come by, I think bootstrapping lessons are always really useful. Um, we started under canvas um, with a l- little bit of money from my husband's family, which we took on a loan and and our credit cards, <laughs> which was a crazy way to start a mm-hmm. business, um, but it meant that we used. We used our cards really as working capital effectively and you know it became absolutely imperative to drive revenue and to be profitable um and I you know I think that's one of the interesting things about bootstrapping is you can't rely on outside funding to fund your business um we had to rely on being profitable and being profitable quickly um and figuring out what that would mean and what that would look like was really important to us and you know, enabled us to survive and enabled us because we had profit coming into the business to keep plowing that profit back into growing the business and helping us do more. So it was a really critical strategy for survival. Um, and we, we levered ourselves as much as we could um, using our credit cards to help us get off and going.
1: Yeah. And, and, and something that people kind of shun on, right? Like whenever you talk to like financial advisors, um, they're like, you know, stay away from credit cards. They're they're the devil. But when used properly and use them to your advantage and also you're betting on yourself. I mean, yeah. this is a risk. I mean, listen, starting a new business is an absolute risk and you guys are betting on yourself. Was there was there a point, Sarah, at any point during this where you where you lost confidence or where you thought like this wasn't going to make it and it was going to you know bury you guys?
2: Day one, day two, day three, day four day five. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day, um, I it was it was absolutely stressful. Um, but I, I say now looking back, I mean we totally were making a bet on ourselves. And you know, I think the interesting thing about that is to think if you are not prepared to make a bet on yourself, don't expect anyone else to don't expect your friends and family to don't expect a banker to don't expect a venture capitalist to don't expect anyone to right because if you have not got enough confidence to to risk take some risks um you know you know take it on the chin if you make some losses you know the best the best losses to make actually are your own right rather than other people's money um so you know for me it was a really big it was a big deal, um, but but at the you know and very scary. Not going to lie, um, and not an easy thing to do. I mean, that's why it's called risk, right? <laughs> it is risky. It's a risky thing to do. Right. But at the same time, we felt like if we could pull this off, um, it could be an extraordinary thing. And under canvas became and still is an extraordinary thing, um, and really helped create an industry in the US that did not exist before. So we really were able to pioneer something completely new, um, bring a new product to market um, and create incredible experiences. And none of that would have happened if we hadn't had enough gumption to believe in ourselves, believe in our own dreams and and believe in our own visions and do something about that to make that happen.
1: That's beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing. And I think that's really what the heart of any true entrepreneur is, is that you believe in yourself and you're able to take risks and 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 double down on yourself because if you don't believe in yourself exactly as you said who who else is going to believe in you
0: hey everybody first i'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast this show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting entrepreneurship and leadership and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call The Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce The podcast, and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind The podcast, and you can get it all at ThePauseCourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster, you're using it for B2B, the B2C. It's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at the pausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks.
1: What was it like? What was what was that process and that feeling if you could talk about like, you know, selling, selling the business? Did you have an idea in mind of what the next thing was going to be right away? Did you know that you were going to move into more social cause, social impact? You know, helping female founders, which we'll get into in a little bit, or were you like, hey, let's figure this out as it comes?
2: Um, I had thought for a few years before we sold the company um, that my next act might involve um, supporting female entrepreneurs and investing female entrepreneurs. So I'd had it in the sort of the back of my mind for a while. Um, and the reason for that was because I had Realized how hard my own journey was, and how much I didn't know, and mm. how much I learned through the process of growing and scaling a business, and taking on outside capital eventually to grow and scale. Um, and I realized, gosh, a it's really hard for for women to scale business, build big businesses. Um, and really hard to get the capital that they need. Still, even today, I mean, about 2% of all venture capital money goes to women. So it's a minute percentage, right? So I, I was already starting to think if we ever um, exited under canvas, if we ever um, had, had an opportunity with, with some additional funds to, to do this, what I want to do is, is back other women to help them grow big businesses.
1: Well, let's unpack that a little bit. Why? Why do you think that's happening? Is it just from a, a demographic perspective? Is it bias? I mean, why? I mean, is it? But well, what's also the turndown rate? Like, 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 there's there's a couple of factors there, right? Like, first we have to see is it a percentage. It's, I I would I don't know if it's fifty fifty, if it's if it's equal. And then if so, you know, why is there such a uh, a discrepancy and disparity?
2: I think it's a lot of reasons, and it's definitely not linear. It's definitely you know like any equality conversation. It's not straight. It's not a. It's not a straightforward. You know, single line. Um, But I think if we just look at some some big factors in the mix, what we've got is historically, um, most of the world's capital has been controlled by. 1% 1% of the world's population, mm-hmm. and that percentage of the population has tended to look white and tended to look male and tended to be from a particular demographic of white males. Um, mm-hmm. so, so when you just take that fact alone, it's not surprising that there has been a lack of diversity mm-hmm. amongst founders. Um, and that goes for people of color also, uh, as well as women. Um, the, the stats for people of color are also not good um, in terms of, you know, people getting funded. So, you know, the, the whole industry um, has borne out of a particular segment of society, making bets on people who look like them and sound like them, and maybe went to the same kind of schools and maybe had the same kind of cultures. Now, all of us, are guilty of um, we make friends with people who are like us, right? We have things in common with, we like to work with the same kind of
1: Mm
2: people. Exactly. So investing is, is no different than that. So, you know, the, the challenge now is now that we can see that actually that's a problem. (laughs) It's a problem that women are not getting the same kind of opportunities as men. And, and, you know in reality what that does is it creates a world it continues to perpetuate building a world that is not for everyone and if we want to build a more inclusive world that works for everyone we have to have everyone at the table building that world um so that means women need to sit at the table that means people of color need to sit at the table that means we need to diversify um where capital is flowing to so there are there are a vast number of implications um, for capital flowing for us, you know, that, that 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 needs to sort of help help us move forward.
1: So, Sarah, how do we how do we flip the script? Um, I, I don't think anybody would disagree with you. And we're discussing right now at a very high level. How do we bring this into action in a tactical manner? What are some initiatives that are out there? What are ways, tactical ways that female founders could have their voice heard and seen?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been relatively exciting over the last few years to see a lot more women fund managers coming to the fore and raising raising capital to deploy, um, and that's exciting because if we start to change the demographic of the people who are doing the investing, we'll start to have a different, um, diverse pool of people who will get investment. So that's that's one thing. Um, but I think you know, like any time we we try and make a correction for something, we have to oversteer. Initially, so when you think about how we, you know, make corrections, we have to overdo the correction to come back to eventually getting back to somewhere near the middle. So, I I think all all capital managers and 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 folks who have uh, responsibility for navigating and um, the deployment of funds have to get very serious about overcorrecting for past um, biases and past, um, overlookings. Now it's a bit like, you know, the equal pay scenario. And it's also about, you know, when, when we talk about hiring just for jobs, right, it's really easy to say there just aren't, or there aren't the female candidate to take the job, or there aren't the person, there isn't a person of color who is capable of doing this job. And most of the time, that's just bullshit, Right. It's just we have to look harder, and we have to look outside of the normal places that we would look, and we we have to make more effort, and that's what this really requires. It requires us to make more effort to look harder, um, and it it requires us to to overcompensate uh, in the short term in order to create more balance in the long term.
1: Tremendous. Sarah, let's talk about the the work uh, with entrepreneurs in in South Africa and how that's a very unique situation from a a geopolitical perspective and why it's such an important cause uh, for yourself and Enigma Ventures.
2: So we we are investing across Africa, which is super exciting. Um, And when we looked at um, the stats around capital deployment, one of the things that we realized was that – the amount of capital going to emerging markets like Africa is infinitely less than going to more developed markets like the US. Um, and so we also felt passionate that our capital could contribute towards um, the development of, of, you know, growing economies in emerging places. And my whole philosophy is we really believe in the power of business um, to change communities, change cities, and change nations. You know, that's how you build economies. It's how you create jobs. It's how you create sustainable futures um, and and well-being for people all around. You know, because work is dignity. Um, and, you know, we, we have to, you know, drive drive the development of, of, of uh, up-and-coming places. So we looked at Africa and thought, well, let's get stuck in. Um, and see if we can contribute into that ecosystem and help some women grow on some journeys to build big businesses.
1: And and I'd love to hear a little bit more about those type of businesses. Are they coming from, you know, the, the entrepreneurial spirit comes from every place, every corner of the earth, every, every, you know, walk of life. What are some of these innovations that you're seeing? Is it around, you know, childcare, food, agriculture, business? I mean, what's really interesting and exciting coming out of this part of the world?
2: Yeah, all of the above, actually. We've got several investments in the ed tech space, so trying to really revolutionize education and what that looks like. Um, and that's super exciting. We've got um, several fintech investments, which means um, trying to solve financial services issues for a billion people on the planet who don't have access to credit. Um, that's, that's super exciting, trying to bank the unbanked. Um, and, and create access to capital in new ways. Really, really massive. Um, we've got some consumer goods, um, some in the agriculture space that are producing um, small-scale crops but pr- then producing an incredible brand, which is being exported around the world. That's super exciting, um, creating you know, amazing jobs, creating incredible branded products that are good for the planet, good for people, and um, good for the world. So we've got a mixture of different things in our portfolio, but the, the current theme, other than they're all founded by women, is that they're all tackling a problem that could, you know, if, if we solve it and make a dent in it through their business, it makes a huge impact. And that's really exciting to see that um, not just um, building profitable, great businesses, which we, which we love, there's also an, an impact component to all of them.
1: And, and that's absolutely tremendous. Um. So you just launched Quivertree Initiative uh, this past June. I'd love if you could unpack that and share what it's all about and, and how it's different from under Canvas and your other initiatives.
2: Yeah. So the exciting thing about Quivertree is that we were starting to think about, um, you know, the, the two big issues in the world that that trouble us. And we've talked a lot about gender equality. The other one is, is, is um, sustainability and uh, the environment, climate change. Um, And we know from our work at Under Canvas that um, that getting people outdoors um, is a great way to help people care about the environment and to care about our planet. Um, And with Under Canvas, we developed an amazing, very light footprint, very low development, um, low energy usage, low water usage um, way of staying in a hotel in the outdoors. And so we went back to the drawing board and thought, how can we lever our hospitality experience um, to help drive conservation initiatives around the world? Um, And so that's what Crivetry is really all about. It's about, um, can we drive impact through hospitality in wild places around the world that help pay to protect them and preserve them and look after them for generations to come?
1: I love it. That's absolutely tremendous. Sarah, what's 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 scaring you right now? What's happening in the world? you know, I mean micro macro that is an obstacle in the way of you and the team on your mission?
2: Oh, that's such a great question. I love that question. I think um what I mean difficult times are always opportunities. So I tend to not get super scared by challenging environments. So the pandemic has been a challenging environment for the last three years, and now we're facing a global recession, um, upon us. But the interesting thing about these times are there's, there's always an opportunity, um, to be seized in those moments, right? There's an, always an opportunity for breakthrough. There's always an opportunity for doing something that hasn't been done before. Under Canvas was born out of the last great financial crash, um, 2008, 2009. So I know what it's like to pioneer a business during difficult economic times. So that doesn't worry me so much. What worries me um, is that the world, uh, particularly revolving around money, um, there are a small number of people in the world who I are what I consider to be gatekeepers. Um, and gate, gatekeepers, you know, can um, open doors and they can close doors. And my hopes for this time and, and what does scare me is we need the gatekeepers of the world to keep the doors open for the opportunities for people that should continue to exist and the good that needs to be done in the world during this time. And if I the like gatekeeper has closed yeah. the door, um, we're going to go backwards and not forwards. And we need to lever this moment in time for good. And we need to use it as a catalyst for driving the change in the world that is important that we drive in this moment. Otherwise, we're going to go backwards. We're going to go backwards on a number of issues, um, you know, gender and climate just being two of them.
1: I completely agree. I mean, it's it's scary. I mean, you look around in the news, I mean, you see the revolutions happening in in countries like Iran and other parts of the world too. And then I see in the news today, uh, I think in Indonesia taking a step backwards as yes. far as 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 human rights and 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 premarital relations and other kind of old school thoughts there, do so we continue to have mm-hmm. this divide in the world? and I mean, listen, it's been going on for for centuries since the existence of man. But then we really have to find these other things of hope and find those moments on a micro and macro level to keep things um, moving forward. Sarah, when when I say you know something that I really get from this conversation is is authenticity. When 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 someone says that word, how do you, how do you define and and live an authentic life?
2: I think being authentic is just being true to yourself. I think it's being true to what you believe. I think it's it's <clears throat> it's not pretending you're something that you're not it's not trying to be something that you're not I think being authentic is living out on a day-to-day basis the things that that really drive you and the things that you really care about.
1: Sarah what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every day to be a mantra something you believe in?
2: Yeah um meeting people um some i i I'll a very wise woman who I met five years ago, um, wrote a book called meet 100 people. And her name is Pat Headley. And the whole concept of that book is that your networks affect your network, your, your net worth, and what you are able to achieve in the world, who, who, you know, what, you know, really does matter. Um, and so meeting people, learning for other people, being connected, um, getting out there, sharing your story, hearing other people's story is really, really important. And I, I, you know, the last few years we've, we've all lived in various different kinds of bubbles and thankfully the world is, is opening up again to actually spend Mm -hmm. time in person. Um, so I think I just doubling down on the fact that it, it matters, connecting, making connections, putting yourself out there, meeting people is really important for moving forward.
1: I love it. I just got back from uh, from Art Basel in, in Miami uh, last week. And that was really was about it was about connecting, having authentic conversations. And that's how you drive personal, professional relationships. And we're not meant to live in a bubble. We're meant to get out in the universe. We're meant to get out in the world and meet and connect. And I absolutely love it. And Sarah, last but not least, you look back on your on your journey in life. And there's those difficult, hard times, times when when you didn't know what the next day would would have in store financially for your business for your life, but you guys pulled through and you dug down deep and harnessed that inner tenacity to pull you up and forward. And on the flip side of it, you sit here with happiness, gratitude. You are helping to change the world in a positive direction. Sarah Dusick, what keeps you focused? What keeps you motivated? What is your north star?
2: My my dreams totally keep me focused. Um and i'm a pioneer and i know i'm a pioneer and my my dreams are what really drive me and their dreams are just ideas right they're things that you can imagine things that make you a lot, feel alive they're things that that excite you when you think about them um, and when i when i feel a bit whenever i feel a bit lost and whenever i feel like i've lost my sense of direction i just take myself back to what, 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 what are my dreams? What do I care about? What am I trying to do and why? Your why is always really important, right? Because that's, that's really what gets you up in the morning. Um, so my passions, my passions are my, are my north star and the, the things that I can imagine and things that I could see if just I could persevere long enough. And I think the reason more of us don't make our dreams happen is we don't persevere long enough in the same direction towards those dreams. Um, and I think that's a big secret for success. It's just hanging on long enough, persevering long enough, not giving up um, and keeping those dreams front and center um, to keep going after them, no matter no matter what life throws at you.
1: That's tremendous. Beautiful advice, Sarah. I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the show. For more information, you guys could check out enigmaventures.com. I'm going to link it up in the show link. Sarah, where else can people connect with you? Where could they find more information?
2: They can also find me on QuiverTreeCollection.com and they can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Sarah Dusak.
1: We're going to connect everyone there. Sarah, hang with me for one moment here as I sign off. Um, This is a fantastic episode. I love bringing different perspectives, different backgrounds, different thoughts, different uh, business creations to the show. And I hope everyone uh, learned uh, a couple of lessons from Sarah here. You guys know where to find out more at ThePodcast.com. If you like this episode, please share it. Sharing means caring. Find out more podcast.com or past episodes, catch up. Remember sharing means caring. Remember, take care of each other, look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody.
0: Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The PauseCast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.